Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with the Frito Bandito, that masked man, Bruce McCurdy. Happy birthday, Bruce. Happy Hello, David. <laughs> did you have, okay, what percentage of the game did you actually wear that? 100%. All good for you, because most people don't. Many people around me did, uh, and... Uh, to me, that's the cost of doing business. If I'm going to go to the hockey game, I'm going to play by the rules. And it was sure was fun to go to the hockey game. Man, oh Isn't man. it fun? I had such what a great a time. Isn't it to be there in the crowd again, yes. Bruce? God, we missed that, eh? Yes. It is so good. 662 days for me, not that I was counting, since my last <laughs> NHL game, which was against the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens on uh, December 21st. Of 2019, this was my first NHL game of the 20s. How bad is that? But uh, it was fun to be there. The place was fairly full, not quite packed out, but full. The crowd was pretty lively. And I wonder if they're not full because of COVID or because of the bad economy or both. Could well, be there both. Was, there was big couple of big strips of empty seats, and usually when you see a block of empty seats, that's unsold seats. If you see them here and there, that's maybe people that didn't didn't come or whatever. Oh. And of course, there were people coming in throughout the first period. Really, uh, we got there real early to avoid the the big schmozzle. But uh, I suspect that there were people that probably missed the first part of the game. So it takes part of the first period. Yeah, yeah. To, Get and they were good, like like with the uh, certificates and the IDing and everything. But it all takes time. You're going through three yeah. layers there. You got security, you got the vaccination thing, and then you got your ticket on your phone now. And I, among many people, I'm sure, is not very used to pulling out my phone no. for a that's, hockey ticket. That's probably the biggest time waster because we're all getting mm-hmm. used to showing our passports, right? right. Like our and with the QR code, that might even be faster. But it's the hunting for that ticket on your phone and all that hoopla that's a little bit difficult, I think, for people. Yeah. Bruce, let's get right at it. A oh, huge let's do it. Three, two overtime win for the Oilers. The grade A shots were 15 to 10 for the Vancouver Canucks. So the story of the game was um, Mike Smith's goaltending. We'll mm-hmm. get to that in a bit. This is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast because it's a big win. Two good things each. Why don't I start off with Smith? Because I think, you know, that is the story of the game. He was just, he he was, he, I gave him an eight out of 10. It would have been a nine right. uh, quite easily. Maybe, yeah, it was not going to be a 10 because you let in a goal. But uh, the first goal was a deflected in off Nuge's stick from the point and he was screened by CC and the Vancouver player and there's no way he's going to get that. But the second goal was a stinker. And they, they, they said, you know, on TV, Louis DeBrusque was saying he was screened. He was screened. You know, I didn't. No chance. I don't think he was screened, no, honestly. He, he saw that puck and he was guessing the, he was guessing pass. He was guessing the other way and he got caught off the post. And that's no. why he was so mad with himself. That's how I saw it. And, no. and um, so you can't give a guy, you know, it was a great game because mm-hmm. other than that, Bruce, 15 grade a shots and he he stopped 14 of them like that is that's outstanding work i mean and and they were they were just the you know uh peterson uh elias peterson had a number of them that hoaglander is a hell of a player eh? that's scary how good he might be he's looking good he had some chances um 
their their new defenseman um, had some chances. What's the guy's name? He's from Edmonton area, I think. And Chason, uh, Alex Chason had a number of chances. Oh, Burroughs uh, is his name. He he uh, he had an unbelievable oh, chance. Oh. Um, there was a chance in the first that went off. McDavid almost went in. So it's, and Smith was just fantastic. He in overtime he he, oh. he just stomped down on Tanner Pearson and and Peterson. And then he was good. At, he was great in the shootout. He won the shootout with uh, Turris and Nugent Hopkins. So well, he he robbed Patterson in the in the shootout as well with the Hashik style falling on his face. Oh with yeah, the glove grab. Yeah. You know that's that's one out of the out of the Hashik book. Um, I thought that was gone for Mike Smith's game. That falling forward stuff, huh? but it in that play, I'll take it. Well, if you're falling forward with your glove high, you're cutting down the angle by going towards the puck, I guess. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's a strange game in terms of how how bad the tying goal was with under three minutes to go, and you, you know, just yeah, face palm, double face palm. <laughs> I had a really good view of that because I was sitting in, at that end on that wing, and there's no way he was screened. He just was expecting the guy to pass, and or he lost his post because. Yeah. Hughes just sort of sifted one in. It wasn't even a rocket. It was an accurate shot just inside the short side post, and he caught Smith, to my mind, cheating. Uh, but, boy, oh, boy, did he make some fantastic saves. Robbie Brown was saying on the post-game show that he thought there was maybe five different times that he was sure Vancouver had scored because they'd made such a good play, and they were basically just trying to stuff it home. And somehow uh, Mike Smith, was able to come up with the save. I mean, that one you mentioned off of Pearson in overtime, like, to me, they were dead meat. I was getting ready to stand up and walk out. <laughs> and uh, somehow uh, Smith kept it alive. So he won back <clears throat> fans who maybe were a little sour on that goal. And to be honest, like, in the first period, he was fantastic, David. Like, Wasn't he? Was like yeah. Two pucks right in the Like, I don't even know how he saw the puck. And they were bouncing off his skates, and they were going to guys on the edge of the mm-hmm. crease, and he was just alive, active all over. He had some luck. Had some he luck. had some good luck. He had some good luck. Because there was some, you know, if the whistle comes a little bit later on a couple of these plays, there might have been goals. So there was there was that. Bruce, what's your good thing? What's your first good thing? Well, I'm going to go with Yesel Pugarby, who scored the first goal of the 2021-22 season. As predicted by my good friend Paul Almeida, among others, who uh, when they had this little pool today about who's going to score first. So uh, shout out for Paul. And it was uh, uh, Paul Yarvey who uh, uh, jumped on a rebound of a, of a hard Darnell nurse shot. that, uh, And he was in the slot, planted himself in the slot and got the puck upstairs. But that was just one of six shots that he had in the game, strong shots, man, he, he shoots the puck hard and he's going for the net. And he, he's, he's such a, uh, uh, again, I'll cite Robbie Brown, he called him a disruptor. And I think that's a, that's a really good description of, of Yessa. He just, uh, go, just sort of barges around like a bull in the China shop and, and creates havoc in the defensive zone. He, and he causes loose pucks and he's got the hands that he can do things with them himself. And of course, if he just creates a loose puck for McDavid and or Dreisaitl, that's, that can be a good thing also. So I, I'm, I'm really liking the, the trajectory of his game in terms of, you know, building off the platform of the fine season he had last year and good in camp and and just looking ready rip roaring to go playing with uh with uh 
uh, <clears throat> speed and with uh, confidence and fairly aggressive and he just wants to make things happen and he's doing exactly that. Yeah, just before he scored, he popped the puck off uh, the stick on a forecheck. That's what he's really good at, popping that yes. puck. Ken Hitchcock noted that even back in the day when mm-hmm. he was not so loved by his coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchcock noted that he had that ability, and um, he popped it and got it to dry settle for a chance. Um, <coughs> excuse me, early in the game. So, yeah, uh, he did look good. That, uh, that line had its adventures at even strength, I'm going to say. It was very weak defensively. Um, um, they had two grade A chances for Bruce, five grade A chances against when they were on the wow. ice. And McDavid and Drysaddle were both at fault, according to my initial review, which you're going to go over, on four grade A chances each. Wow. So a tough game defensively mm-hmm. for that line. Um, nonetheless, they did score an even strength goal. And it was a beauty of a goal with uh, McDavid wheeling to nurse and then Pugliarby with the rebound. Bruce, I thought the best line on the Oilers um, this game was uh, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. Um, at even strength, I have them creating, uh, I think, three grade A chances and giving up uh, not one as a line at least. Uh, at even strength, they were on the shots. They I think they were nine to four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Shots on net. So they. Um, they just really look good. And, but it was, you know, I went with uh, the old warrior, uh, Mike Smith, on my first good thing, but the new warrior, Zach Hyman, just really, really impressed me. Seven more years of games just like that, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I will be ecstatic. He was fantastic. Uh, he really, you know, Mike Babcock, his coach, says he plays a heavy game. He does play a heavy game. But what, what surprised me, he had two great rushes up the ice. Absolutely fantastic rushes up the ice. He also, his puck protection, like uh, he he protected the puck in the first. He won the puck. He protected the puck, brought it around the net, put it up front. Yeah, Mona Nugent Hopkins. And that was Edmonton's first really great chance. And then um, there was another chance where he he won the puck on the boards in the defensive zone, puck protected and put the puck, made a beautiful pass then to CeCe, who relayed it to Yamamoto on the breakaway. Hyman mm-hmm. is a fantastic hockey player. I mean, this is the player that I, you know, I didn't see enough of him in Toronto to, you know, mm-hmm. I had that same impression of him when he was in Toronto, just what a good player he was. Now, he's not going to play every game. must have gone out of your that. way to avoid Toronto games, David, if you didn't see enough of him in Toronto, because they're sure on the TV a lot. I just watched the Oilers, Bruce. <laughs> so I only saw them whenever they played the Oilers, and he looked great. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, he's not going to be that good every game, but that was a great debut game i mean you don't even have to pretend like it's like when lucic was signed here it's like oh could we you know you tried to think yeah he played good you tried to convince yourself a lot at least oh, i did you know hyman was just a good. bad penalty but he was other than that he was, yeah he did take a bad penalty your so, what do you got now is it your yeah, second good thing yeah. yeah my second good thing and i'm gonna go with um the penalty killing specifically of Kyler Yamamoto, who I thought was outstanding on the PK. And he played almost five minutes tonight and he was just hustling all around the puck, all over the puck. I'm sure he cleared the, the zone, uh, you know, a number of times uh, just on his own by, by winning battles and chipping it out. The Oilers cleared the zone a lot and they nearly went five for five on the PK. Vancouver scored very late on their fifth penalty 
on that weird deflection that caught Nugent's stick out in the high slot. Yeah. But uh, they were uh, they were spending most of the penalty kills, especially the first three, where the puck was barely in Edmonton's zone at all. It seemed like they were just getting it and clearing it time and again. And I just like yeah, I, I I thought for a couple of years that Yamamoto had all the makings of being a good penalty killer, and you know I guess he just needed a little bit of uh, uh, <clears throat> you know. Just a little bit of maturity to get the trust of his coaches, and you know, here's game one of the season, and he's playing five minutes with his, with his uh, new old buddy Derek Ryan, and they look pretty small out there. But you know, yes. in case small doesn't really matter. Well, it can, it can. Well, at, at well forwards, it sticks in the passing I mean, lane. Sometimes it matters. Like yeah. I remember with Mark Lamb out there, he looked awfully small, but that's because he was slow in the end, right? right? He was, he was, or not Mark Lamb. Um, what's the other thing? Letestu, Mark Letestu, right. Mark Lamb, same thing. But uh, Letestu, in the, like, as long as Mark Letestu was quick, it worked. You got to be right. quick if you're going to be small. Yeah. Yamamoto is very, very quick. And he is, and like Letestu, he is a very, very smart hockey player. They both have that going for them. He's quick and he's got a quick stick. And he, and, uh, he was, uh, anyway, I, I was impressed, <laughs> especially with his, uh, with his PK work tonight. And it seemed like he was on the, uh, the first unit, and then Hyman and Nugent Hopkins were on the second unit. So all three guys on the second line were played big time minutes on the penalty kill. All smart hockey players, really high hockey IQs defensively. You know they can read the play and um, good with the puck. Bad things, Bruce. Uh, bad thing. My bad thing was Tyson Berry. I just he just I just thought. He really struggled tonight defensively. He was on the eye. He made six uh, major mistakes on grade A chances against, you know. So if, it, if normally a defense was going to make one a game, mm-hmm. like even if you're playing well, you're going to get caught once. Yeah. Just ha- it's like a tough yeah. position. Yeah, it's a tough position. You know, two's a bad night. Two's not good. You know, you, know, you don't want to get to two. Two's, but, you know, that's going to happen too. When you get to three, four, five, six. And yeah. plus he took a penalty at the end of the game where he tripped up the guy at the key moment. But Bruce, it was just endless with Barry. He just, you know, he got deep by Elias Peterson uh, on his first uh, shift. You guys got uh, deeped by uh, and Elias Peterson. And he got, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what else? That's pretty good. So he was, again, there was another player where he's way in the corner as Peterson's, uh, mm-hmm. as Peterson gets off a good shot. That was in the second period. Um, he gets, uh, he gets, he gets walked by Peterson again. And then in the OT, I think he was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He got walked by Peterson in OT. And then he was also the one who allowed the pass in on Tanner Pearson. Nuge was a little slow on the back check there as well. Was a, that was a two on one. It was a beauty mm-hmm. pass by Horvat too. Not, not aerial pass so, across. He, um, by the end of the game, Evan Bouchard in the third period was out in the final minute with Darnell Nurse. Uh, this may happen faster than slower. The promotion of Evan Bouchard, who played a really good game, uh, had lots of good moments out there. He, he wasn't perfect either, but he was far less imperfect. And his good moments were many. He's just, you know, both Barry's very good with the puck too. He's a, he's a really good passer of the puck, but man, does he struggle on defense. And this was just another episode of an ongoing series. And hopefully he'll settle down <laughs> after tonight's game. You know, his, fo- his new focus this year is on defense. I believe him. I believe he's trying to do that. It's just hard. These are fantastic 
world, you know, the best players in the world. And uh, if you don't have those fundamentals down, you're going to get beat repeatedly. And that's what I saw tonight with Tyson Berry. My bad thing is Edmonton's um, steady uh, beating a path to the penalty box. Uh, yeah. Five penalties that they took, including three, uh, one very late in the second that carried over into the start of the third. And I was thinking at the time it was 2 nothing. Well, if they can kill this one, they're going to be in good shape. And then they got one sort of few minutes into the third. And yeah. I thought, well, if they kill this one, they're going to be in good shape. And they killed that one. <laughs> then they got a third one. And that was that, the, was, that was the very penalty. And again, the same thought. And of course, they couldn't kill it. And then all of a sudden, now, what was it? Uh, eight minutes, seven and a half minutes left. And now all of a sudden, that last seven minutes looks like a long time. <laughs> sure enough, they were able to get the equalizer. But the penalties were like the one on Hyman, the first one on Hyman, where he he kind of overskated the puck and he just reached out and grabbed the guy and spun him around. And I mean, it was an innocuous play, but that, that's going to get called probably nine times out of ten. That I mean, the ref's there. I mean, he can't miss it. And it just was totally unnecessary, 150 feet from his net. So that one wasn't good. The one on Chris Russell for cross-checking where he kind of shoved the guy and the guy crashed into Smith and took him out. Yeah. I first thought it was a goalie interference penalty. I was a little shocked that they called Russell off cross-checking. Anyway. That's got, the new call, though. That's they got the call. Caught, that well, is a penalty. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess shoving a guy is now called cross-checking. Anyway, uh, and then the, the one on Barry where uh, it was a rare mistake by Darnell Nurse uh, with the 2 nothing lead late in the third period where he jumped up into the rush and then that left Barry as a lone defenseman back as Vancouver counterattacked. And Tyson Barry as a lone defenseman back is not a recipe for success. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't here either, and he went off for that. And Then uh, I thought orders got away with one with maybe two, two and a half minutes left. Uh, right at the blue line in front of me, I thought Leon tripped a the Vancouver guy. It was kind of accidental and the ref kind of, because I'm sure they're thinking, well, we've already called three in a row and Edmonton fans yeah. are not happy with us. You know yeah. how they go. Yeah. Kind of manage the game a little bit and that time they managed it in Edmonton's mm-hmm. favor. It was just a little bit of carelessness with the sticks and just a little bit of, uh, well, just the way they defended the lead. They were kind of kind of hanging back and and not really creating much in the third period and letting the play come to them in, in a little bit. And that's, that's not a uh, recipe. Well, for they didn't either. have, they didn't have after uh, their last grade, a chance was six minutes into the third period yeah. for um, the Oilers and Vancouver had um, four grade, a chances after that, including two in overtime. And the, then the, the tying goal, which was not a great a chance, which was a C chance as I right. rated it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bruce, what is your number? It wasn't number? even a B, was it? No, it wasn't a B. It was a C chance. Yeah. Yeah. What's, I, what's your number? I got to go with this minute munching monster, Darnell Nurse. Superhero. And his, his line tonight, uh, one assist, uh, even plus minus. His, his assist was one of three that I counted, three wrist shots that, uh, didn't quite overpower Thatcher Demko, but he couldn't control the rebound three different times. And the Oilers nearly scored off another one of these two. But uh, 
one uh, Pugliarvi popped home the rebound, but Nurse, is, he's got such a powerful shot. I was really noticing how how uh, hard he was letting him fly. Anyway, in a 65-minute game, he played 32 minutes and 24 seconds, literally half the game, uh, almost literally. Uh, and he played 32 shifts, both far ahead of any other order by like six shifts and uh, what uh, McDavid had 24 minutes, eight minutes back of Darnell. He averaged a minute per shift. Uh, he hardly played on the power play, just 11 seconds, but six minutes and 11 seconds on the penalty kill, 26 minutes at even strength. And he had, I mean, get this, six shots, 10 shot attempts, eight hits, and four block shots. I mean, he was just <coughs> um, proactive all over the ice. And like you say, not perfect. I mean, you, you can tell me how many mistakes he made on, on grade A scoring chances, but uh, one thing you can accuse him of is not being involved in that game. He's, he, a, he's a force yeah. out there. I mean, he really is. He's, he's a number one D members. Like he, yeah. he is, he, he does make up. He's, he can oh, be yeah. high event and he was a little bit like there was a few mm-hmm. too many yeah. mistakes, you know, and then, but it comes with his style of play. Like, and the thing that got me was the eight hits because he really, like, he broke up some big Vancouver plays with major hits. Like, there was one cycle that was going on forever, and he hit two guys in a row to end that sucker. And he was he was big Bobby Clobber and all over the ice tonight. So I I I did like his game. I gave him a seven out of ten. I would have given him an eight without the you know the number of defensive fairly major defensive mistakes that he and Barry made. Uh, but he, he also made them like he made some errors as well, but yeah, that is, that's a superhero time on ice numbers. And um, that's Chris Pronger numbers, 30, 30 minutes when you get in a 30 minute range. And uh, he did it a few times last year, but this is right from game one, you know, being leaned on to, uh, to that degree, the defense as a whole, the six man defense corps had 10 hits. Darnell had eight. The other got five guys combined had two. <laughs> yeah, they're not big hitters out there. They're not a physical team, Oilers. No, they really aren't. No, I really did like the. Th- I thought Keith and Cece played very well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad Keith seemed to bounce back from that really tough hit he took. But uh, I was really impressed with the way Keith forced the play, uh, especially during the game in different zones of the ice. Cassie Campbell highlighted it between periods, and I had noticed that you know he was just jumping up into the play, popping the puck off their stick before they got a chance to get going. It was it was good, and CC was quiet. He had a quiet game, but was solid. So that was a, that was a good great pass he made to Yamamoto, though he did. And yeah, and they they didn't they weren't caught out on a lot. They didn't make a lot of mistakes on uh, major chances against. They were. They were solid defensively, and that's what the orders are going to need from those two guys. So I was really, you know, that was, again, it's just a little bit more, you know, I I'm, came in kind of pessimistic about both of them, and I'm getting slowly more thinking, oh, maybe this is going to work out, but we'll see. Uh, my number, Bruce, uh, I'm going to go with uh, just uh, one number for Evan Bouchard is time on ice, which totaled uh, 22.07. 07 it's the third most time on ice after um, Nurse and Barry for a D-man on the team. Barry got out there in overtime. Um, and again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Evan Bouchard encroaching on the, that, those overtime minutes as this goes along. He he earned the coach's trust. Uh, he's out there, our first PK unit with Nurse. He's out there at the end of the game with Nurse. Um, 
he can re- he he made just numerous smart little plays with the puck including one good bush bomb on net and also he lobbed the puck at net and hit the crossbar i wondered if that hit the bar i could see i had a good line on the shot from the point and i thought it either hit his shoulder or it hit the crossbar and went hit in the, the netting eh hit the crossbar and mm-hmm. um yeah so he's just he, he played a very settled smart game uh with few defensive mistakes which is the key you know really the key for defensemen and um good for him like he, he's meeting high expectations versus really high expectations for me you i'm guessing everybody thinks a lot of this player thinks this player can be top four mm-hmm. maybe top pairing with with nurse um partly because of lack of competition uh but also because he's a, a really good hockey player so we'll see how this develops but I, again this may <laughs> if these kind of games continue this is going to happen fast. It's not going to happen slow. Well, tonight he was paired with Chris Russell, and at the end of the game, Evan Bouchard played 22 minutes and seven seconds, and Chris Russell played 12 minutes and 46 seconds. Like almost yeah. a 10 minute gap with his partner, and half that was on the penalty kill where Bouchard played six minutes and Russell only one minute. So um, they really like him out there on the PK. Eh? Yeah, they, they do. They do. Yeah, and well, he, he did clear the puck a number of times. And so yeah. he's got some weird defensive positioning. Sometimes he kind of gets caught in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Where, where, uh, where, you know, there's, he's not really supporting his partner or, or really anything. He's just kind of in an odd spot. And he reminds me at times of Justin Schultz. Yeah, that's a, I've seen that as well, Bruce. Side of the puck of course, and, I like Justin Schultz. A lot. That's something that, yeah, well, there's lots to like about Justin Schultz, yeah. but sometimes his defense positioning wasn't one of those things. And I'll say that about Evan Bouchard, but I'll also say this, he's young and he's only played now 22 games in the NHL and he's coming along and hopefully he learned a few tricks about those, uh, about that positioning and, and uh, uh, you know, starts to use his smarts and his his reading of the game and his anticipation uh, on the defensive side of the puck to the to a similar degree as he does on the offensive side. It's probably a typical hazard for the the young player who's always been a brilliant offensive player, right? Like, you know, to to not necessarily be the most cautious player and right. fundamentally sound on defense. I I um you know, we were pretty high on Justin Schultz initially, so I don't want to say that I like, you know, I think Bouchard's better at this stage of his career because, I mean, Justin Schultz came out like a cannon shot early in his career. So we'll see how this develops, I guess, is the is the reasonable thing to say. Um, I do think Bouchard's hockey IQ um, on the attack is, is a, it could be better. Let's say it could be better than Schultz's. He just seems calmer. He seems, what he does seem is calmer with the puck under pressure than Justin Schultz seemed to me. And he's, I think, a little bit bigger. I think he might be an yes. inch or two taller and he's a bit heavier. So he's got a couple things going for him that Schultz didn't have um, as a defender. And, you know, just because if you have that calm with the puck, you're able to get it out of trouble. You know, you don't get hemmed in your own zone as much. And that's what Evan Bouchard's really good at. So, yeah, well, he's still uh, 21 years old, isn't he? And yeah. he was drafted in 2018. He had a late 99 birthday. And I mean, he'll be 22 next next week. Weeks. or yeah. yeah. 
right right away. But Justin Schultz was 22 before he ever even signed with the Oilers. Yeah, you know, yeah, so fair enough. He, he's uh, he's a uh, a young guy, and so uh, he's a uh, you know a little different stage. I mean, Schultz, to his credit, uh, as soon as he signed, he came right in, and you know, other than the lockout year, he played down in Oklahoma City and ripped it up. And then uh, as soon as the NHL started, he came up and he never played another game in the minors. So, yep. And he's had a long career. He's won a couple Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. So Justin Schultz says nothing. You know, he 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 proved himself to be a, a really good NHL hockey player in the end, and he's still going strong. I think he's playing for is it Washington now? Washington. All right, Bruce. Why not? It's a late night. Let's let's. Why don't we wrap it up here? Unless you have One anything down, like eight. Yeah, eight o'clock start. Eleven o'clock finish. Twelve o'clock get home through the traffic. Oh, yeah. So yeah, a little late with the podcast, but uh, to get out there in person. All you rich folks in St. Albert who go to the games, man, like it's that's where ninety oh, percent uh, of the tickets are come from is St. Albert. I'm betting. <laughs> this was a gift from a very wonderful friend of mine, Bernice. There Buck, you go. Who came through on my birthday with. Pair of hockey tickets and uh, 42 years to the day, David. The Oilers played their first NHL game on October 13, 1979, also my birthday, so I remember it well. And that was my first NHL game that I ever got to see was Detroit Red Wings, Edmonton Oilers, uh, their second game in the league because they started on the road and then they came home and played. Mark Messier tied it up uh, late in the third period and the Oilers escaped with a point. Mark Messier's first of many NHL goals. Wow, are we almost? We are almost at the Oilers' 50th anniversary as a franchise. Then franchise, yes. Yeah, 50 years as an Oilers fan, Bruce. Both for both for you and I. Uh, 50 years as fans of this team. I moved to Edmonton in '71, and they declared the WHA that same year, and they started playing the next year, and they've had a team ever since. 50 good years. 50 good years. Some well, of them. Maybe maybe the odd decade. Hockey, hockey years. Yeah, maybe the well, even the lockout year. At least we had even that year we had the Edmonton Roadrunners. So yeah, let's hope we had a lot of good hockey in this town. Yeah, and we're gonna have a lot of good hockey this year. This is gonna be a very interesting team and an exciting team. So um, I, I I got a good feeling about all the the new players they brought in tonight. I thought they all looked uh, to a man. And I loved Colton Sevier going to Duncan Keith's rescue, by the way. I thought that was fantastic that he jumped right in there against. It'd be more uh, fantastic if he uh, either A, didn't take a penalty, or B, actually <laughs> didn't fall down. And Oh, and, well. Whatever. But he did. I mean, the, the going about for the teammate part, I'm, I'm in favor of that. And it, it didn't really end well, but at least they killed the penalty. And he never played again. He never saw the ice after that. They cut down to nine lines or nine forwards. Oh yeah, Turris took his spot. Shootout hero Kyle Turris. We we got to mention that. Yeah, the beauty. And uh, and played the rest of the way. And Brian McLeod played a tiny bit. And I don't remember seeing um, uh, Perlini uh, Perlini at all in the third period. Like yeah. Bench breakdown. I didn't Too know really how to. And, yeah, I didn't know how to mark those guys. It was like I gave them fours because you know five minutes each. It's not exactly an endorsement if you only play right. that much, so you can't give them a five. But it's it's hard to say too much about it because they they didn't get any time on ice to speak of. So, all right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. First one of eighty-two. Anyway, yes, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.